If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 942. Page 942. Romans chapter 6. Just for context, I will begin reading in Romans 5 verse 18. Romans 5 verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So does sin reign in death? grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death nor that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Please be seated. So as God's children, we have been entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ. And being entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ, this requires us to know and to teach the doctrine of sin. Without discussing sin, without talking about the bad news, you and I, are not teaching the fullness of the gospel, for we are all sinners separated from God. Paul has informed us through Romans that you are in Adam or you are in Christ. This is true for every soul in this room. Adam is your representative or Christ is your representative. Believers are in Jesus. They are spiritually alive. Unbelievers are in Adam, and they are spiritually dead. So are you in Adam, or are you in Jesus? You are a child of God, or you are an enemy of God. Which one are you? Today's verses, they continue what Paul has already said in Romans. If you'll look with me at Romans 5, verse 18, he says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life, for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. 
Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the words, but when sin increased, grace abounded all the more, they are important words. How are we as Christians to think about these words? If saved, are you and I free to do as we please and sin so that grace abounds all the more? Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? So these verses begin our study of sanctification. Paul has talked about the depravity and the wickedness of man. Paul has discussed justification, how you and I are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. And now we enter sanctification. If we have been justified, you and I have been set apart as holy. We have been set apart to live for the Lord, to serve the Lord. We have been set apart from the rest of the souls on this world that are lost and dead in our sin, but we have also been set apart for Christ. We've been set apart for Him. We grow in personal holiness. Paul has discussed the clear doctrine of justification by faith to those in Rome, and now basically what he is doing, what he is beginning in Romans 6, is the so what. This is something that it's not just what children say, but it's also what adults say. Okay, Paul, you've just discussed justification. So what? This is what Paul is giving. Paul is giving us the so what. Justification leads to something in this life. The result of justification is never nothing. It's never nothing. It's not, I'm justified, and I'm good to go, and nothing ever happens between here on out. We are not to live our life thinking that I belong to Jesus, all is good, so now I can do whatever I want. That type of thinking is the thinking of an unbeliever. The answer to the question, Are we free to do as we want in sin so that grace abounds all the more is a loud and confident no. We are not free to do that. As once enemies of God, now children of God, by God's grace, not our works, we are to walk this life as God's children. I remember teaching my children at a very young age. There are ways in which you are to act, there are things in which you are to do, and there are things in which you are not to do, and there is a way in which you're not to walk. My father did that with me. He taught me basic things. When you approach somebody, and you're meeting them for the first time, or you're greeting them, and they put their hand out, you stick your hand out, you look up at their eyes, you lock, and you give a firm handshake, and you introduce yourself. There are things that we teach here that this is exactly what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, because you have been justified, God is also going to sanctify you. And just so you know, when God justifies you, 
He is going to sanctify you. Your life is going to look more and more and more like Jesus because that's what the Spirit of God does in you. God's children, they walk a certain way. And if you're wondering the answer to the question, what way is that? We walk according to God's word. Because we hold that the Bible is sufficient and the Bible is inerrant. So two truths for us as God's children marching forward in this. Number one, you are free from the power of sin. You as a child of God are free from the power of sin. Those united with Christ, they have been set free from the dominion or power of sin. Sin no longer controls you. You are no longer a slave to sin. Sin does not rule your life. You are free from the power of sin. That, that means if you're lost, you are not free from the power of sin. If you, are, if you are lost, sin controls you. In fact, Scripture says you do nothing but sin. That's why your good works can never outweigh your bad, because all you do is sin, because without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Number two, you are to live following the commands of God. You are to live following the commands of God as God's children. Now, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about loving your Savior. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. So God's children love him, and therefore they obey his commands. Not because his commands are a burden, but his commands are a joy. There's a major difference there. It's not that, man, I have to wake up today and I have to obey the commands of God. No, you wake up today and you get to obey the commands of God because God has chosen you and redeemed you. He has purchased you. He has bought you. You belong to Him. Do you see the difference there? It's not, well, I have to do this. No, you get to do this. A child of God loves to obey the commands of God because they know I am doing what I was created to do. And I can do that now because of God's grace. You're free from the power of sin and you are free to live following the commands of God. If you are saved, you are to follow the commands of God for God's glory as well as for your good. The Bible provides for us all your beliefs for life as well as for godliness. The Bible provides for us what you are to believe, your doctrine, as well as how you are to live. It is found in God's Word. The Scriptures are breathed out by God and nothing else is. Therefore, God's Word is sufficient for you. So you are free from the power of sin and you are free to live following the commands of God. Look at verses 1 and 2. Let's look at the two main questions that are asked. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? That's question one. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Question two is, how can we who die to sin still live in it? So Christian, you have the Spirit of God in you. Grace reigns now in your life. Sin does not. Grace reigns, not sin. So grace now reigns in the life of the Christian, but grace and sin do not grab hands and walk together in fellowship through the past of this life. 
We are not to continue in sin. Paul's words in verse 2, they are strong words for us to consider. Look at verse 2. The question he poses, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. You see an explanation point there. By no means. Paul uses these words ten times in Romans. Ten times throughout the letter of Romans. By no means. May it never be. God forbid that that is how we live. Are we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be so. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Absolutely not. God forbid. We must not sin because we have God's grace. God forbid that we think and live that way. Well, what's an example of that? That means, as a Christian, before you and I sin, we know that we're going to sin. It's called the battle of the mind. It's up here. Whether or not we're going to do something that we know that we shouldn't be doing, or we're going to say something that we know that we shouldn't say. Whether we're in an argument, we're frustrated about something. That means we don't internally think in our minds, you know what? God has covered me by His grace. This is okay for me to do. That is not how a Christian is to think. We must not sin because we have God's grace. God forbid that we think and live that way. This is wrong thinking and this is wrong living. Individuals who argue for more sin so that God's grace abounds, they're called antinomians. Because they are against the moral law of God and they find the moral law of God of no use and of no value and of no need for their life. They drink the world's sin without worry of the world to come. It's wrong. We don't think this way. God's grace is not a membership in which we can do whatever we want. We don't open up God's word and look at the commands of God and say, well, those are great options for me. We open up God's word and we read the commands of God and say, these are commands in which I can glorify God and they're also for my good. Because he has made me and he has separated me from the rest of the world and called me to himself. We should not think I'm going to heaven so what I do now in this life does not matter. The gospel of God does not lead to more sin in your life. The gospel of God does not lead to more sin in your life. We should think, we should be thinking this way. Because of God's grace, how could I continue in sin knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? That is how we should think. Because of God's grace, because He has called me to Himself, because He has redeemed me, He has saved me, because of the cross of Christ, how could I continue in sin knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Knowing what Jesus has saved me from? Wrath, hell, damnation, a place of eternal torture. Paul's conclusion, Paul's argument here is those whom God justifies, he sanctifies. Because of God's grace, you will live for God. It's not, I hope you will. You were justified by faith alone, but as we've learned through the scriptures, faith is never alone. 
When you are made acceptable by God's grace through faith in Jesus, God sets you apart. That means you belong to God. It is God as if He is going out, He is picking you up, He is saying, you are mine. You are His. And He, as He is holding you in His hand, He will continue to make you more like Christ. Christian, you are never to sin in this life because you know that Jesus has purchased you. This is wrong thinking and wrong living. James 1.22 tells us that if you listen to God's word and you fail to do God's word, you are doing nothing but deceiving yourself and marching the path of a fool. Justification will always produce sanctification. Always, always, always. A tree is known by its fruit. A tree is not just known by what it says it is known for. Faith is a gift that keeps on giving. If you've been justified by God, He is sanctifying you. So are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Now, you will continue to sin. You will fail, but you are in King Jesus. Sin no longer defines who you are. Christ does. Christ is Lord. He is the perfect one. He is the great I am. He is the one who fulfilled the law. He is the second and greater Adam. Jesus justifies and Jesus sanctifies. Now, your life will not be perfect, but remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? He's a new creation. So it is not that Jesus comes and he cleans you up a little bit, and then he has to come back and continue to clean you up a little bit because it's going to wear off. Is that Jesus comes and you must be born again. You must be a new creation because you were dead in your sin. He made you alive. But He just doesn't make you alive. He continues to sanctify you, to grow you, to mature you by the power of the Holy Spirit through the reading of God's Word, through other church members, brothers and sisters in Christ to spur you on to a life of godliness. Justification will always produce sanctification and always, always, always will happen. But your life will not be perfect. But you who are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are a new creation, but you are still a pilgrim. You're not yet home. You are still surrounded by all different things on your journey. You're walking this life, and there's going to be different voices crying out to you. There's going to be circumstances that are going to come. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. But that's why you've been adopted into a family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that pick you up. They get behind you, and they shove you, and they push you, and they point you to Christ as we are looking to Christ running this race of faith together. That's how great Christ is. That's the greatness of what he has done and is continuing to do. Justification as well as sanctification. You are a saint who sins. You are no longer a sinner who does nothing but sin. You're a saint who sins. And Jesus will sanctify you. Question two that is asked in this text. How can we who died to sin, still live in it. How can we who died to sin still live in it? It's not possible. 
Your old self has been crucified. You are no longer in sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. How can we who died to sin still live in it? You will no longer live in sin because you have died to sin. In the words of John Murray, you have died to sin. This is the identity of the believer. That is your identity. You have died to sin. Believers have died to sin. You have been set free from sin. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the words baptized into Christ Jesus are not speaking of water baptism, but to the picture and the reality of what Christ has done in the life of the one who has been born again. Christians have been baptized into Christ. They have died and been raised because they are in Christ. Christians have been born to walk in newness of life. Did you catch these words? You were born to walk in newness of life. Not just stand there justified, but to walk sanctified. You were not born to walk as you once did. You were born to walk in the newness of your life that is now in Christ. You were granted a new birth to glorify God and to enjoy Him. Salvation brings about a transformation of life. Justification is not all that there is. There is also sanctification. This means that Christians are occupied with God and Christians are occupied with the things of God. As we learned in VBS this past week, God's grace is resurrecting. God's grace is resurrecting. If you are in Christ, you are a resurrected person. Christ has been raised from the dead. We too are in Christ. We have been raised from the dead. And when we future, when we die, if we die before the return of Christ, we'll be raised just like him. To be raised from the dead by the glory of the Father is to walk in newness of life. Remember how he said, he grabs us. He picks us up. He conforms us more into the image of Son. But He doesn't put us down on the path that we once were. He puts us down on this path, the way of righteousness, the narrow way. Our old self has been crucified. We cannot live in sin, for we are in Christ. All Christians sin, absolutely. But sin does not reign, and sin does not rule the life of a Christian. Christ reigns, and Christ rules if you've been saved. So here is a question of examination. Does sin or does righteousness describe your life? Does sin or does righteousness in Christ describe your life? Please consider this question as if this was your last day on earth. The Bible teaches us to think about today. Today is enough for us. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Think about right now. Think about today. Does sin or does righteousness describe your life? Paul has discussed justification, and now as he talks about sanctification, or the fruits of justification, if you will, he is calling us to think a certain way. The gospel does not lead to more sin, because we are in Christ. We are a new creation. Salvation brings transformation of life. 
Look at verse 5 with me. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Are you seeing the transformational life in these verses? We are united with Christ. Our old self has been crucified with Christ. We are no longer enslaved to sin. We are alive to God in Jesus Christ. You know, in the first 11 verses of Romans 6, Paul discusses death 14 times. He talks about death 14 times. He says, we who died to sin, we were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life if we've been united with him in a death like his. For one who has died has been set free from sin. If we have died with Christ... Christ being raised from the dead, Christ will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin. Consider yourselves dead to sin. So the death and resurrection of Jesus has changed everything for his children. Salvation brings a transformational life. Your old self has been crucified. You are no longer enslaved to sin. You have been set free from sin. You are justified because you are now in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. So God's grace is not temporary. God's grace is forever. It's not as if God's grace is going to run out on you and I. It's not as if we're going to wake up one day and we're going to do something so heinous, so grotesque, something that we can't even imagine an unbeliever doing, and then all of a sudden God's grace is removed. God's grace is not temporary. His grace is forever. When He justifies a person, He sanctifies a person, and He will bring that sanctified person to glorification. That is how wonderful our Savior is. When our life on this earth is over, We will live with Christ forever. This is certain. This is a guarantee. Because Christ has been raised, He has paid our debt in full. Verse 8 has not yet happened. It is as good as done, but you're not there yet. You're not home yet. This is why we have verse 11. So you also, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive. In Christ Jesus. These words are in the imperative mood. This means that verse 11 is not an option. Verse 11 is a command. So you also, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
You are to have complete confidence in what Christ has already accomplished. You must have complete confidence in the blood of Jesus Christ that all life is an opportunity to worship God because you are now alive in Jesus. This is a command. We must consider, we must think, we must look at our lives as we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul uses a similar language. I have been crucified with Christ as no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But Christ who lives in me, because of that I live by faith. So the death of Christ, our death with Christ, we are set free from sin and we are a new creation. Jesus Christ is our Savior. Jesus Christ is our Lord. And this is called Lordship Salvation. Listen to these words by John MacArthur. The gospel that Jesus proclaimed was a call to discipleship. It was a call to follow him in submissive obedience, not just a plea to make a decision or to pray a prayer. Jesus' message liberated people from the bondage of their sin while it confronted and condemned hypocrisy. It was an offer of eternal life and forgiveness for repentant sinners. But at the same time, it was a rebuke to outwardly religious people whose lives were devoid of true righteousness. It put sinners on notice that they must turn from sin and embrace God's righteousness. So Lordship Salvation teaches that there is sanctification in the life of the person who believes because there is a love for God and the one who does believe. If you say that you believe in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, there will be a love for the Lord in that life. Because Jesus saves and Jesus sanctifies. He doesn't save and then he's done with you. He continues to grow you more and more into the image of himself. God's powerful working His powerful work of saving us changes us. And that means it doesn't change our mind. It changes our hands and our feet. It changes our life. Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. And His children will live for Him. There is no might. His children will live for Him. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. So you are alive to God in Christ. In other words, those in Christ, they will live for Him. I love the question that R.C. Sproul puts forth concerning these verses. How can somebody dead be made alive, yet not live different? How can that be? How can somebody in slavery be released from the bondage, yet not be changed? This is exactly what Paul is communicating to these readers. If you say that you belong to Christ and you've been set free and you're no longer a slave to sin, and we're getting into this next week, you are now a slave to Christ. How can your life not be different? Because when God saves a person, that person is changed. 
they will live for him. They look forward to living for him. They like pleasing their father. There's a false idea out there today that when a person is saved, they may or may not have a changed life. You will not and cannot find that in the scriptures. This belief does not describe the work of God upon a life. How can someone say, I have been born again, but apparently this, this perfect gift that God has given to me, it's not enough to change what I do. If you are dead to sin, you are alive to God. Being alive to God, that is change. Because you were dead to God. Now you're alive to God. So Christ came and laid down his life for his sheep. And Jesus was very clear. Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice. They follow me. His sheep are justified. His sheep are being sanctified. His sheep will live for him. His sheep will stumble and fall. But they are on the same path of going home. And one day they will be with their shepherd forever. Salvation brings transformation of life. Christian, you are to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because this became your reality when God saved you. You didn't understand it fully when you were saved, but that became your reality. Paul is asking you to take into account what Christ has done in your life. So Christian, you are free from the power of sin. What does this mean? You're free to praise Him now. You're free to live for Him. You're free to obey His commands with with joy and excitement because that's what you were created to do. You're free to worship the Lord. Christian, you are to live following the commands of God. So here's a simple intellectual question. Do you know the commands of God? If you're free to follow the commands of God, do you know the commands of God? It's the picture of a sheep following a shepherd. Do you listen to the words of your shepherd? And the words of your shepherd are found in the Bible. Are you following the commands of God right now? Or are you cold to the commands of God? Christian, you are not to sin so that grace may abound. God's grace abounds, absolutely. That's wrong thinking and wrong living if you think, I can just do this and it's A-OK. That's not how a sanctified individual believes. Salvation brings transformation of life. God has made you dead to sin and he has made you alive in Christ Jesus. So it's simple. If sin describes your life, you are dead. If you look out over the pattern of your life and sin is all that you see, you don't see any sanctification. You don't see any joy in reading what God has said. You don't see any joy in obeying the commands of God. You don't see any comfort or life in talking about what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, what Christ will do. You are dead in your sin. And you need life. And that life is only found in Jesus Christ. Well, what do I do? You do what Paul has taught. You do what the apostles have taught. You do what Jesus says. 
Repent and believe. Turn from your sins. Turn towards Christ. Call on Christ for your salvation. If sin describes your life, you are dead. You need life. You need Christ. Call on Him. 2 Peter 1.10 tells us this. Make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. You're like, Pastor, what do I do with these words if I'm justified? Well, Paul just explained the so what of being justified, didn't he? You are to think and to live differently because of what Christ has done. You consider yourself, you think of yourself dead to sin because you are and alive in Christ Jesus because you are alive in Christ Jesus. Well, what about just for today? You told me not to worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, worry about self. What about just for today? Worship Christ today. Praise Him for what He has done. Praise Him for the sin that He has revealed to your life in the last 24 hours. The things that you know that you should be doing and you have excuse after excuse lined up that you're not doing, go and do those things to the praise of the glory of God. I mean, do those things. You are now free to live for Christ. I mean, that should blow our minds every day. That once we were dead in the ground, covered up with dirt spiritually, and now we are alive in Christ, and we can walk around and we can live for Him. And not only that, we're surrounded in a sea of people who are dead and they need Christ. And we have His commission, His allowance to go and to talk to them about Himself. What a joy! Like the home that we live in, we are free to go home and we are free to talk about how great Christ is. We are free to speak of Him day in and day out. We are free to pray. We are free to meditate. We are free to memorize Scripture. We are free to understand Scripture because the Holy Spirit is inside of us and we can now live for the Lord and we can please Him. Death, now life in Christ. We can live for Him. Let's not be like James. What James says, don't come and hear the Word of God and do nothing. Come and hear the Word of God. Do not deceive yourself, but do what the Word of God says. We are not free to sin so that grace may abound as His children. We are free to follow Christ, to worship Christ, to live for Christ, to make Him known to all the nations. Praise God for sending His Son to die on the cross for filthy, wretched, undeserving sinners. And praise Him that He raised you from the dead. Father, I thank You for this morning. I praise You. For every soul in this room whom you have justified, who you have called to yourself, for every person who has repented of their sins and believed upon Christ and Christ alone for their salvation, Lord, thank you for justifying them and thank you for your sure and steady promise of sanctification. That you are continuing to grow us, you are continuing to mature us, Father.
that we are now free to obey your commands. We are now free to worship you and to live for you, to glorify you. Lord, the great exchange cannot be overstated. You have raised us from the cold, dead ground and made us alive in your Son. May we not think we are free to sin so that grace may abound. By no means, Lord, may we never think that way. God forbid that we live that way. We are free to love you. We are free to cherish you in our hearts. We are free to live with you and to talk about you. We are free not to worry about what man can do us, do to us. For you have saved us and we will live with you forever. Father, continue in your glorious sanctification to release us from the fear of man and to grow in us a great reverence and fear of you. It's in Christ's wonderful name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.